0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Shine a Light podcast. I am here today with my friend, Kristen. So, Kristen, I'll let you introduce
1: yourself. Um, I'm Kristen Rood. Um, I'm a teacher. I have a son named Jack, and uh, we live with my husband, John. And um, I think one of the things that has become most important through this journey, um, I'm here to talk about my kidney transplant. And sharing a little bit about not only my story, but just information that can help others maybe going through it, approaching this type of big um, decision, but also people who support it or just want to learn more about what transplant is about and sort of the ups and downs of that journey. Um, But it's also through this journey that um, a lot of my life decisions have been really um, affirmed in faith and in just knowing that I made the right decisions along the way.
0: All right. And Kristen and I have known each other for a long time. <laughs> How long have you and John been, like, when did you guys start dating? Because that's probably when
1: I met you. We started dating in 2000. Okay. So uh, I was in 8th
0: grade. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I know I've known John that long, so I've probably known you that long also. Um, yeah, it's been a long John time. John and my sister were very good friend- friends from high school, so... Therefore, I was the little sister that was around and would play Mario Kart with John, so. (laughs) Yeah, Um, I can't believe it's been that long. I know, I know. (laughs) I know, Tom said the other day, he's like, you've known Dave like more than half your life. And I was like, I know, I know. Yeah, (laughs) I'm aware. (laughs) All right, so you are here to shine a light really on, like you said, your kidney transplant and kind of everything that happened a little bit before and then after that also, so. Yeah. I do think this is a topic that people need to, learn more about, I was actually just listening to a podcast yesterday about um, a woman with cystic fibrosis and she went through a double lung transplant. So she was sharing about her story and I I thought of you and I was like, oh, we're going to have Kristen on to talk about kidney transplants. So um, how did you know that you had kidney disease or is it kidney disease? Is that the right term? Um,
1: So I was born with um, polycystic kidney disease, which um, is um, where you, for me, I was born with cysts my kidneys, um, that start off small and over time they grow and then begin to interfere with kidney functioning. Um, I was a rare case, this polycystic kidney disease is a genetic disorder, so it is something that you inherit. Um, there's nothing that can be done to prevent it or stop it right now. Um, I was lucky enough that because it was diagnosed at birth, um, I was well aware of my condition um although my parents sort of oversaw it for much of my life um it was something that you know because at a such, such a young age I knew about it I was able to do the preventative things to ensure that I could live on my native kidneys as long as possible okay um so my, is life
0: pretty I'm putting normal in quotes because normal's relative., <laughs> yeah. normal growing up, like you played sport, like you could, yeah, do everything. I was
1: I could do anything. Um, really, there were a few dietary restrictions, which okay. I learned later where, you know, I was told when I was younger I was allergic to milk. Oh. Um, really, it was a preventative nature to lower my protein intake okay. to save my kidneys. okay. so um while I would kind of feel sick to my stomach if I had, milk, a lot of it had to do with my digestion and Mm -hmm. ability to process all of that. Okay. Um, And then, you know, just as I got older, I was made aware of um, one of the biggest accelerators of any kidney disease, not just polycystic kidney disease, is high blood pressure. And so Mm -hmm. when I grew old enough to know and make choices about what I was eating, um, I limit my protein, I limit my salt um, just to be able to keep me as healthy as possible. Okay. Um, But really outside of Dietary. Um, I really led a a normal childhood. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. Was there a specific point that it took a turn then? Or do you
1: remember a specific? Um, You know, for me, looking back, yes, I can see where it took the turn. Okay. Um, But in the process of it, um, because kidney conditions are what they are, um, your body. it's such a slow-moving disease mm-hmm. that your body slowly takes on other roles and is able to make an adjustment to what's going on. And so, as the patient, you don't notice how bad it's getting mm-hmm. until it really gets bad. Yeah. And so, while you know my blood work began to show things pretty quickly, okay. Um, I didn't necessarily feel the symptoms until probably the last. 12 months before transplant.
0: Okay. And this was how many years ago?
1: Um, I had my transplant in July of 2016. Okay. So I would say probably 2015, but the latter part. Yeah.
0: So really between your childhood and then everything was pretty. Pretty. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Absolutely. Okay. So once you started having those symptoms, what happened? Um,
1: I actually was put on the transplant waiting list. Okay. Um, and that's a national registry. You go through a screening, Mm -hmm. um, based on my blood work, um, my filtration rate was 15%. Okay. Um, and that's out of like the typical hundred percent of two kidneys. Mm -hmm. I was down to 15%, um, which is sort of the magic number to begin considering transplant. Okay. And you go through a transplant center and they, Evaluate you on all kinds of tests and overall health to make sure that you're healthy enough for transplant And then they put you on the list for organ donation. Okay Um, and so once I was approved for that I was begun to w- been watched much more closely mm-hmm. Um, like monthly lab work, um regular visits to the nephrologist. Okay, and how are you feeling at that point? Um When I was first put on the can uh the transplant list Um, I was feeling pretty normal. Okay. Um, I really didn't feel anything. Um, And my doctor had even said, because of your age and your activity level, um, the numbers and the calculations often sort of lend themselves to people that are a little bit older. Okay. And so he said, you know, numbers-wise, you may be worse off right now than you really are. Okay. Um, But he said, the second we can prove that need yeah. it gets you on the list faster okay. it starts accruing wait time faster okay um but i will say within about six months um i was exhausted all of the mm-hmm. time um
0: and you guys have a son so how yeah old was he, he
1: was he was three going on four so at the time very active <laughs> so um thankfully he was <laughs> the summer before transplants so i was transplanted in july um starting in about june He was sort of trending off of naps at the time, Um, but he was still such a cuddler Mm -hmm. that I could convince him to lay down with me during that summer. Yeah, Um, I could say, you know, oh, let's just you know put on a Disney movie and let's rest. And oftentimes he would fall asleep. Okay, which allowed me naps. Yeah, Um, but it really hit that summer. Um, I mean, I could take, I would sleep ten to twelve hours at night. Mm -hmm. I could take three to four hour naps in the middle of the day and still yeah. be exhausted. Yeah. And you're home during the summer because you're a teacher. I'm a so, teacher. Yeah. So um, I was still doing a bit of coaching that summer. So okay. I was coaching in the mornings and in the evenings. And in the middle of the day, we really just hit hard that nap time. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that so that was the summer before your transplant. Right. So the exhaustion was really pretty much the main thing you were The main feeling? thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So then what kind of made you either get, were you did you move up on the transplant
1: list or was it just a matter of... So, um, as soon as you hit the transplant list, um, when they talk about the list, they're talking about, um, deceased donor list. Okay. Um, and so you've done all the blood tests and the typing to hopefully end up with a match through, um, deceased donor system. Um, I had also signed up or was beginning to consider signing up for, um, paired donation. Okay. Which is another way to sort of accelerate yourself Mm -hmm. on the, um deceased donor list Um, however they also start giving you these packets and um, that was a really hard time Um, these packets are designed to allow people you know to fill out the paperwork and get tested to be your specific donor and so of course um, my parents both um, got tested to be donors Um, I had several friends that agreed to go and get tested Um, and they Would not allow my brother to be tested. He was too young. Okay. Um, Because polycystic disease is genetic. um, There is a form of it that is an adult onset. Mm. And so you have to be 30 years old to be cleared of that adult onset form of kidney disease. And so um, he was not anywhere near it. He's eight years younger than I am. And so they wouldn't even allow him to get tested. Um, But uh, my mom was not the same blood type. I actually share my blood type with my dad. I didn't okay. know that before. Yeah. Um, and then my dad ended up being same blood type, and they did run some screening um, to test for antigen pairs and matching. And um, he was an OK match, but his health um, was of concern to them. Okay. Um, he had some blood blood pressure issues at the time, and so um, they would not clear him for donation. Okay. Um, at which point, we were sort of waiting on a few of the friends. Um, during that time, you don't get to know anything about how the testing is going. Okay. Um, it's completely confidential. Do they do actually don't want to get your hopes up, you think? Or is it just because it's all HIPAA? and <laughs> um, It's a whole... I mean, we can get into transplant rules and yeah. laws, but um, you are not allowed to pressure or... Got it. Um, ...really have any contact influence, with the yeah. people or influence. Okay. Um, it's completely... Um, altruistic in, the, in the United States, it's against the law to have payment of any kind okay. for the donation. Okay. And so, um, they're really just trying to avoid any pressuring or any communication yeah. in that way. That makes sense. Um, and they really don't want to tell you, Hey, we got a match until yeah. your donor has truly agreed to right. it and they can agree and pull out at the last socket yeah. too. Yeah. So, um, it's really just to that try and keep relationships Okay. Um, the only reason I knew certain people had been tested was because they called me and yeah. said, Hey, I went in yesterday. I gave my blood, okay. you know, I'll let you know if anything comes of it. Right. So it was the people that had gotten tested right. were reaching out to okay. me. Um, but, um, so throughout that, John was of course, one of the first people that had, um, signed up to test to see if he was a donor. Um, way back when we were dating, um, Probably as we were getting more serious and really thinking about long term, um, we of course had quest- you know conversations about family life mm-hmm. and things that we wanted out of life. And he said, I really want children. Where do you stand on that? And I said, well, I said, here's the deal. I have polycystic kidney disease. Um, I would love children, but I can't commit to more than what yeah. my body will allow me yeah. to do. And I said, you know, we'll go one kid at a time and right. see where my health is. Yeah. Um, and he said, well you know, he asked questions about what is polycystic kidney disease and what does that mean? And I said, it means that at some point I'm projected to need a kidney transplant. And he said, well, I'm a type type O blood person. Mm -hmm. He's like, I'm a universal donor. He goes, your kidney will be mine. Yeah. He said, I'll just save it for you. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of chuckled at the time and I said, well, you know, there's more in matching than just blood type. (laughs) Like, it's not just like, here you go. I appreciate the thought, but, um, we'll see. Right. And, um, he turned out to be right, yeah. um, but they did they did hold off on him. Um, I think in part because it was the same house household. Yeah, and in most situations, once you've had children and been exposed to each other's DNA, um, there's often a lot of risk of rejection of okay. the organ because you've already have those antibodies against foreign. Okay substances for lack of a better word
0: so it's more of a medical reason than like you're both gonna be recovering right i mean that's a huge piece of it there is a
1: significant recovery for the donor but um it was more scientifically they weren't they weren't really convinced it was going to be a match um but they did as my things declined and we couldn't find a living donor um they did run his tests and he ended up being a match okay and um we How did you guys out, feel
0: when you found out he was a match? Like, what was the...
1: Um, I was overwhelmed and grateful and excited. And he, similarly, but was like, it's about time they ran me. Yeah. Like, I told you I was going right. to be your match. Right. I was going to be your donor. Yeah. Um, why did they wait so long? Yeah. was really his question. Okay. Um, and then, I mean, we found out he was the match. In that same week, they called and said, we can schedule your surgery... Next week, wow, or our next available OR date is in three weeks. Okay, and we kind of looked at each other and went, well, given that we have a son, yeah, we didn't think we could get our support in line within a week. Yeah, and so we took three weeks later and uh, wow. went running. With Even it. that
0: happens. That that's fast. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Um. My doctor when he called, he said, you know, he obviously was re- really excited mm-hmm. and you know, very hopeful for all of it. Um, but he pretty much said, um, your function and your symptoms are so strong that okay. if we didn't have this person lined up and on the schedule, um, we were gonna sign you up for dialysis. Wow. Um, and so I just barely missed yeah, having to go through that treatment, which also makes life extremely difficult.
0: Yeah. And you were still pretty much the exhaustion. Was there anything else at that point as as you are um,
1: I was told, I didn't notice it but um People around me could tell my coloring was off. Okay. Um, I really, I didn't feel good. Yeah. Um, I and you're can't, also just mentally exhausted. I can't. Yeah, yeah, I can't pinpoint like why I didn't feel good, but I just, yeah. I had exhaustion and just overall, yeah, not good. Okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so how did you guys prepare for the surgery?
1: Um, you know, it was three weeks. It was a whirlwind. Um, but we. We really just kind of sat down with both of our families who were local, and that was really nice, um, and just kind of set out, like, this is what we're going to need. Mm-hmm. Um, we figured out, you know, day of issues, yeah. you know, in the three days following, we were at the hospital. Yeah. Um, John was released after three days. I was released after four. Okay. Um, who was going to be with Jack? Yeah. Who was, were we going to be, was Jack going to be at other people's ho- homes, or mm-hmm. were they, was he going to stay home? And, yeah. um Everybody agreed that it would be best for him to stay in our house. Yeah, um, just for consistency. Yeah. Um, but what kind know. of?
0: Sorry, I'm really curious since you said his name. What kind of conversations you guys have with Jack? Um, you he know, was he was four. Or five? He was
1: four at the time. Yeah. Um, and he, you know, we had talked about how I was sick. Mm-hmm. Um, and in four-year-old land, what does yeah. that mean? Right. Um, we talked about you know we would be going in for surgery okay. and that. Um, Daddy was going to give a kidney to mommy. Yeah. And, you know, that was going to make sure that mom got better and, Uh you know, got healthier. And maybe we wouldn't have to have so many naps. Right. Which, you know, in four-year-old land. Yes. No more nap. Um, And we talked about how he would be able to come see us in the hospital. Mm -hmm. Um, And really, in his four-year-old brain, that was kind of all he took away from it. I'm sure we gave him more detail because we've (laughs) always been super open with him about, All of the medical stuff going on, um, but in that, in that time frame, what he knew was in the end, he was going to have two kidneys, dad was going to have one, and mom would have three. Right. (laughs) And that was pretty much the basics. Okay.
0: Yeah. And that grandma and grandpa would be staying with him. Yeah. yeah.
1: (laughs) He would see, he would see grandma and grandpa, he would see nana and papa, his aunts would come over and play, um, he would still get to go to swimming. Yeah. And um, he would get to play with his friends. Okay. And as long as he knew all of that, yeah. he was kind of okay. Okay. How long did the actual surgery take? Do um, you know? I think John's was three hours. Okay. And I think mine was five. Okay. Um, yeah, the morning of, we, we both had to arrive at the same time. Um, I was taken up to the floor of the hospital and given a room and said, go hang out. Yeah. And he was taken into surgery right away. Okay. Um, and then when his surgery was, de- well, not done, once they had his organ out Yeah. and they were closing him up, they started me okay. with IVs and put me under. Yeah. And then I was wheeled into the OR next to him. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously I was unconscious, so I yeah. don't know. <laughs> um, and he still was too. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I remember... The whole time he was in thinking he has to be okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, one of my biggest concerns was he's doing this amazing thing for me. And what if he's not okay? Yeah. Um, but the the nursing staff was awesome. And um, the team of doctors, so when transplants happen, they work in pairs. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the surgeons removes the organ from the patient with the other one standing by to help. Okay. And then the second surgeon then is the... Like implanter I mean, yeah and yeah. and the one that was primary for john became secondary for that. me okay and so they work in pairs yeah. and so my surgeon came out and saw me before they put me under and said he's fine oh, he's doing well such a relief for you he's recovered yeah. you know he will recover yeah it's time for you let's get you going okay. and it'll be fine yeah so um and i know when i spoke with john you know, as soon as he came out and I wasn't out of surgery yet, that was yeah. his biggest concern oh, yeah, was sure. like, is it okay on her end? Yeah. Is Kristen doing okay? So, um
0: And in a typical transplant, you don't know the person, so you wouldn't exactly, have that so you like, don't
1: and and, you know, there's there's a lot of you know, to the other situation where it's a deceased donor, yeah. Um, there's a lot of emotional stuff that yes. goes on with that too, right. knowing that, you know, you're so hopeful for your own life, but yeah. know that someone had to make a big sacrifice yeah, for absolutely. you to be healthy again. Right. And so there's, there's none of, no transplant is easy, but I think, um, living donation is, I think, emotionally healthier for the patient, but, yeah. um, still no transplant right. is easy. And
0: Right. And you were worried for your husband and he was worried for you. Absolutely.
1: So, yeah. yeah. Um, so there, and and I know also there's living donation that happens among strangers too. Yeah. Um, so there's, there, there's a lot that goes on outside of just yeah physical health. Right. Um, but we were lucky to, uh, to make it through. And yeah. um, actually it's funny because one of the first things that happened is, you know, we, neither one of us was walking yeah. afterward, but, you know, we kind of got word of each other. Um, they purposely put us on opposite ends of our floor Oh. for recovery mm-hmm. because um, they wanted incentive for us to get out of bed and oh, visit each other. Okay, that's um, smart of them. So that you know they, they wouldn't let us be near each other on the yeah. floor. Um, but the night that I was recovering from surgery, um, I got a text from Dave okay. about Kara being born.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was we so at that time.
1: Yeah. I. Uh, it was the same day. Yeah. And uh, she was born in the afternoon and. So he had sent out a, a picture, and I responded because I was awake at 11 yeah. o'clock at night. Yeah. Well, yeah, in the hospital. <laughs> texted back sleep, and yeah. said, awesome, so yeah. great. And he texted back and said, I don't think you're supposed to be texting yeah. right now. You're like, so, well, what else am I doing? I'm just sitting here. Yeah, okay, I'm
0: awake. Yeah. It <laughs> so. must have been, I, I know you're very active, too, but John is so athletic. So it must have been kind of hard for him to, like... Sitting still for a little, a little while. Yeah, because um, <laughs> he rides bike. I mean, he rides his bike like every day, right? Uh, like yeah. I mean, he, yeah.
1: he he trains for triathlon, yeah. so yeah, it's yeah. part of the regular routine. Yeah. Um, they actually told him so. The transplant was end of July. They told him he really couldn't start biking again, even on the trainer. Yeah. They said you have to back off. Pretty much no exercise or minimal um, until January. Oh wow. Okay. And then. They said even even starting back in January, he probably would not be back to his full, like, training potential yeah. until a, a full year from then. Okay. So a year and a half after transplant okay. was sort of when they said you can expect to kind of be back right to the full really training, full training yeah. that you okay. are used to. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you guys were in the hospital for, you said, five-ish days? He was three. So it was on a Wednesday... He was discharged Friday. No, he was discharged Saturday. Okay. And I was discharged Sunday. Okay. And then what was life like back at home once you were both home? Um, it was a lot of, I mean, the first couple days home. Um, it's just a lot of fog. Yeah. Um, my mom, gratefully, she's <laughs> she's a nurse. And so she kept, like, the log of, like, when it was time for which pills. Okay. Um. She would pretty much just come up and give them to us and say, it's time for your pain pill. It's time for your rejection meds. It's time for this. Yeah. Um, she also was phenomenal in, um, measuring our fluid intake. Oh, Um, yeah. Part of kidney health is being very well hydrated. And so she would measure and document all of the liquids that have gone in. Um, but really we, we had somebody there 24 hours a day. Um, okay. How long did that last? For about a week. Okay. About a week until, until we felt like we could get up and move around. Um, You know, even though it was slow moving getting up and around. um, Just until we were able to sort of wean a little bit off of the pain meds and not, you know, we could, we could keep track of our own times and what time it was and when we took something last. And, um, you know, the first couple days home, we were still pretty well medicated okay, and not always real sure of what time it was right. or what had gone on that day. Right. Um, but it was good cause you know, we were home. Um, I mean, one good thing that came out of it was Jack is not afraid of hospitals. Yeah. Um, there's no, there's no fear of, um, the unknown. Right. He usually knows. And I've been back and forth in the hospital since then. Yeah. That, um, you know, they're yeah. just making sure we're okay. Right. And we may have, have a surgery or we may have a treatment, but, yeah. um, you know, okay. it's not a scary place to be. Right. So you had said
0: in the email that um you want to talk a little bit about like the misconception about life after the transplant or like just kinda of what life is like after that.
1: Yeah. Um I think one of the biggest things I've learned I've I joined a online support group um for kidney transplant. Well, transplant in general. Um, but um the the things I like most about that support group is that there are very strict rules and there's a monitor of it um, concerning not giving medical advice and yeah. not reaching out for monetary value. Okay. Um, no fundraising, no yeah. anything. And really, it's just a place for you to share your story and your experiences. And um, what I've learned overwhelmingly is that no transplant is normal. Mm-hmm. Um, every recovery is different. Every person's body is different. Everybody's doctors recommend something different based on your own conditions and your own issues. So, um, that's been really valuable, but I think the overall experience is very, very similar in that you feel at least initially that no one else understands Mm -hmm. what you're really going through. Yeah. Um, so it's just nice to have that common understanding that we've all been in that spot. Um, but since transplant for me, um, I think the biggest thing is that, you know, you're always told in any medical situation of these are the risks of complications and this, you know, and they go through the, you know, the huge list of everything that's ever happened to anyone in the world ever. Um, but understanding that you're most likely going to have one of those 50 things listed. Right. And, um, and so although the perception is you get this transplant and you're going to be perfect and mm-hmm. your health is going to be great and yeah. things are gonna life be fine is gonna be so great yeah um and i think you i don't i don't necessarily think it's because you're not told i think it's because you don't really understand yeah. the whole gravity of the situation but um you know from leading up to and then past I mean, you're taking medication around the clock yeah um, anti-rejection regimens have a lot of side effects okay um, a lot of anti-rejection medication regimens um, include some form of steroid oh okay um, and so as we all have learned yeah <laughs> due to recent you know yeah. medical information um, you know things of any steroid nature then also affect not only can can affect not only mood but also weight gain, weight loss, yeah. appetite, appetite, yeah. all of these things that you may not have had to manage before, right? And now you have to pay serious attention to, yeah. Um, but also that like these complications, um, similar to any other chronic disease, and kidney disease is chronic. Mm-hmm. Um, the disease doesn't end, mm-hmm. um, and while your you're not in this life sentence disease, um, you're always going to be dealing with the chronic nature of your illness. And so um, for me, that looked like um, several surgeries afterward. Um, My pathway from my bladder to my kidney um, continually, and that's where they connect your new kidney to your current system. Mm -hmm. Um, It's your ureter and that, for whatever reason in my body continues to scar closed okay and so um i had my initial transplant in july um in november i had a reconstruction surgery um to try and open that pathway again um and that involved not only a full surgery but um placing stents to try and keep things open um you know cutting and re reattaching mm-hmm. in several different places um and that was unsuccessful. So okay. we actually again tried that following June. Okay. Um, so almost a full year post transplant. Yeah. Um, I was undergoing a second surgery to try and get this working and that again failed. Oh, um, okay. So um I now after <laughs> and and while all of that failure was happening I had um an external port okay. in my abdomen that um had to be exchanged and replaced monthly okay so um aside from trying to get things to stay open internally there were some external things that um really limited activity i wasn't yeah. allowed to exercise oh. i wasn't allowed to do anything that might bump okay so um fittingly enough um you know if jack had a roller skating party which he has today yeah. um i wasn't allowed to roller skate because Aww. if i fell You know, it's it's always those what ifs. But you know, chances of happening are probably low. But if it happens, A it would be really painful. Yeah. And B it would cause another medical issue. So um life post transplant for the first year and a half was really delicate, although you weren't in the hospital daily. Um You're in and out. Yeah, I was in and out quite a bit, but um but it was just hard to try and get back to life with these looming you know possibilities right. um, so it was almost like a year of eggshell walking yeah. um, in daily activity Yeah. probably um, just
0: a burden on your shoulders thankfully your
1: yeah. um, my doctors and I came to the conclusion that we needed to figure out um, not only how to keep this open but how to do it without external tubing yeah. because it was interfering with daily life yeah. I mean being a swim coach for 16 years oh. I couldn't touch the water for the last two years That's hard, Um, yeah. And that was an issue for my family and my lifestyle. Um, So we finally, um, I would say six months ago, um, were able to remove the port, and we've gone to internal stent exchanges. Okay. um, Which means that we've worked our way up to every 12 weeks now. Okay. So I think we're going to be about four times a year. I have to go in. I get put under, and they exchange a stent that is keeping that pathway open. um, Okay. And puts me down for a day. Yeah. But in the long run, um, I was able to swim for the first time in November. Yeah. um, Which was significant, um, not only for me, but for Jack. Um, Yeah. You know, we had been through now two summers of, Mom, are you going to swim with me? Are we going to play? Yeah. Can we? Yeah. Um, And so that was huge. We went as a family, and. Went swimming exciting. for the first time. Yeah. Super cool. Um, but now I'm, I feel like I'm finally, I guess, as recovered as I'm going to be. Okay. My, my normal life still exists of, or consists of, uh, weekly lab work and monitoring okay. and, you know, occasional visits to the doctor, but mm-hmm. really, um, this is my new normal. Yeah.
0: And are you going to be on medication like for the rest of your life? For, this? for the rest of your life.
1: Okay. Um, I guess a piece of the story I left out was, um, two weeks after initial transplant, I did hit rejection. Okay. Um, and so part of rejection therapy, you're trying to restore that balance. And mm-hmm. so, um, it resulted in, um, plasmapheresis. Um, I think I had nine treatments every other day. So like three, wow. three a week, um, And for people who don't know what that is, they, um, put a port in your chest straight into an artery and they filter out all the plasma for your, from your blood, which carries all of the cells that would fight off, um, a foreign body and, uh, they put in fresh right? and they recycle it until you seem to stop fighting off your new organ. It's
0: basically your body saying no to this organ for whatever
1: reason, right? Yeah. That's
0: basically what rejection Yes. Means. Okay.
1: Um, and then it's also followed by... So I would do that in the morning, and then in the afternoon I would have a two-hour IV, which is a low dose of chemotherapy. Okay. Okay. And really just trying to keep your body from rejecting the organ and mm-hmm. accepting it as your own. Yeah.
0: So... Okay. Did any of this shift any family dynamics
1: at all? Um, You know, I will say... I don't think it really shifted sort of our immediate family, but I will say that we definitely, as Jack has gotten older, um, he's now seven, um, through just the ins and outs of the complications piece, um, he has learned to be part of the family. Yeah. Um, and I don't mean in terms of like emotionally, but <laughs> right. just he often contributes a lot more than I think. I would have expected him to mm-hmm. had not all this happened. Um, you know, I, I will tell him, hey, I'm going in tomorrow for to the doctor. This one, you know, I won't be able to drive in the afternoon. Yeah. Um, the neighbors are going to pick you up and bring you home after right. school. Okay. And he'll go, oh, okay. And when he gets home from school, he'll come in and say, how are you feeling? Mm-hmm. And I'll, you know, he's yeah. like, hey, your water's low. He'll offer to refill it. Um, he just... He He's aware that I may not be feeling 100%. And yeah. He he tries to pick up. Yeah. Um, and I think that, I just think that the three of us lean on each other a lot more. Okay. Um, than maybe we did before. Right. Um, but and I mean, just, I, yeah, I can also say that, that we were new for, parents when yeah. all this happened. Right. So right. I, don't, I don't, I can't say what would have been different. Right. But I can definitely say that um, all three of us are very. Okay. Comfortable asking for help from each other.
0: Yeah. He may go into nursing, after all. <laughs> I know. <laughs> he may really like caring for other people. Um, are there any other myths
1: or misconceptions that you wanted to speak to? Um, I think in general, um, you know, I think there's several things that come out of sort of transplant awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them being... Um, many people think they have conditions that would exclude them from being a, a donor. Okay. Um, people are hesitant to put it on their license that they are a donor um, because they think they can't. Um, there are I believe 10 if not more ways that you could help save a life um, by being an organ donor upon death. Yeah. Um, and I will say that every doctor has pledged to do whatever they can to save a current life yes so that's what i heard in the podcast yesterday because they said it's a misconception that um the doctors won't try to save oh my gosh people. no um yeah their their number one goal is to ensure the life of, yeah. of already living so um you know they're they're they will do everything humanly possible yes um to save someone and it's only when they really can't do anything right. um that they will then turn to the organ donation yeah. consideration. Um, another thing that people often don't understand is that the people who are in need of organs are people who haven't done anything wrong to get to this point. Yeah, um, People have not miscared for their body. Yeah. People have not abused their body and are, are now asking for a second chance. Right. Um, and that's one thing that you can be assured of based on the transplant list you have to go through extensive health screening and um you have to meet with social workers and psychologists and medical professionals and financial Mm -hmm. people um before you even qualify to be a, a organ recipient okay um and it it all has to do with If you would be a successful recipient. And part of that is analyzing, do you have the means to care for yourself after transplant? Mm -hmm. Transplant medications and anti-rejection medications are phenomenally expensive. I'm sure. Um, Only half of my medication was delivered this week. Um, When I say half, two of my medications were delivered and I take nine. Oh my. Um, (laughs) Two of them... um, (laughs) Were delivered this week as the month supply and it was $900 Gosh. for just a month so um, they go through all of your insurance they go through all of your coverage they make sure that um, you are able to afford what you need to stay mm-hmm. healthy and care for your organ afterward and so they're not they don't they deny people based on the fact that they don't have the means or have not shown a history of self-care Okay. Um, and they, they will deny you and offer help yeah. and teach you the right yeah. things. I don't want to sound scary like you want to die. I know, in my head
0: I'm like, what about these poor people who can't afford it? No, it. Yeah. They, but they <laughs>
1: then will set you up with a social worker yeah. and they will help They'll you. find ways. Room. And that's and why people have ways. to have
0: fundraisers. I yes. mean, that's why they do go for these. Yes. And,
1: yeah. Yes. Okay. I mean, pe- there are people that need those supports and resources. Yeah. Um, and they are willing to work with people to make sure that they can care yeah. for the organs. So So... Okay. Um, I think another, another thing is that, you know, when you look at the people that need transplants, they, a lot of them have been through a lot, especially with kidney, kidney issues. Um, dialysis takes extreme amounts of time and energy and, um, it actually, yes, prolongs, but it also doesn't solve the problem. Right. So, um. The fact, then, a lot of the research shows that people who have been on dialysis, um, the amount of time that you've been on dialysis actually lowers the six lowers the amount of time that you could be healthy on okay. a transplant. Okay, um, it takes your body a long time to learn how to use your organ again, even okay. when you're given a brand new one. Okay. So, um, people who are on dialysis are not on it because they. Want to be or yeah. think it's a replacement for a transplant? Right. It's what they have to do yeah. until they can receive.
0: Right. Okay. Those are. I think those are all really important ones to share. Um, this is a very vague question, but like, where are you now in your health journey?
1: Um. I am. I am at my new normal. Okay. Um. I am finally. It'll be t- three years in July. Um. I am finally at a point where I would say. This is my normal. Okay. Um,
0: and I guess I forgot to ask this, but John's recovery
1: has been pretty
0: normal? He is. Like, quote,
1: quote. Yeah. He yeah. has not had um, complications. any complications. Okay. Um, it did take the full year and a half, despite his best efforts, yeah. to uh, get back to a full training. Yeah.
0: And can that happen where that yeah. the donor has complications?
1: Um, they t- I mean, they can. Yeah. All surgeries have, I mean, I guess have any can. complications. Yeah. Um, but typically they say... Donors are much healthier recoveries. Okay. Complications are very low for those surgeries. Um, And um, I will say from the patient side, and my doctors are very upfront about it, um, the donor's recovery is slightly more painful short
0: term. Okay.
1: He was in a lot more pain the first day than I was. Yeah. But they also say that the donor's recovery is much shorter. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it's yeah. sort of a trade-off. Mine took a lot longer, even in the initial surgery recovery, right. than his did. Okay.
0: So you're feeling like you're at your new
1: normal. It's been three years. You you just said, like, are you back to uh, coaching? Um, I'm back to coaching. Okay. I'm I'm actually returning to some coaching this summer. Okay. Um, I'm back in the pool. Yeah. I'm exercising again. Um, I'm teaching full-time. Yeah. I mean... We're back. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I can finally go out. I mean, I finally am cleared to yeah. do the things that I want to do with Jack. He right. says, you know, let's go outside and play catch. Yes, yeah. I can do that now. Yeah. Um, so, okay. yeah. All Full right. I have,
0: My next question, I have, I think I have two different ways I want to ask it. The first is, what would you tell others who are maybe in your position that you were in a few years ago? Where, like, they're kind of waiting and they're on that list. Do you have any words um, that you would like to say to those people?
1: I would say do the best you can to be patient Okay. Um, throughout this whole journey um, I am super type A I'll be the first to admit it I like a schedule I like to know what's coming and in the last two and a half three years I have had none of that mm-hmm. and it's been I think really good faith wise yeah. um, for me because I've really 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 had to let go of the fact that I don't know. Yeah. And really had to put a lot of my faith and trust that God had a plan. And that yeah. we were going to get there somehow. And for as many lows as I had, I had several highs in between. Um, and really just trying to wait and have faith that there was going to be a solution mm-hmm. to whatever problem was currently right. The one at hand. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't say that because it was easy. No. Because oh, it was no, not certainly easy. not easy. Yeah. Um, but I think. But you really didn't have any other choice. You, you I had mean, to, you didn't. Yeah. You had no control. Yeah. You had no choice. And that was hard. Yes. Um, but really, you know, doing your best to let go of that. Yeah. And try not to worry. Right. <laughs> right. You know, people tell you, oh, don't worry. Yeah. The well, first thing you're going to do is worry. Right. But right. Um, okay. But also understand that, you know, try to be in the present moment mm-hmm. because there are going to be bumps and almost expecting that there's going to be a bump yeah. is easier right. than worrying about what that bump's going to be.
0: Yeah. Okay. And then what would you tell of people who are, quote, healthy, quote, that may, about organ donation or, like, about considering? Do you have, like um like, the think, Johns of the world, I guess. I think, um... <laughs>
1: Number one, I I myself learned through all of this that just because I have kidney disease doesn't mean that I couldn't be an organ donor. Right. Um I recently checked the box on my okay. driver's license. Yeah. Um because I didn't I didn't realize that I wouldn't I would be a, I thought I would be a risk. You probably oh, well, I don't qualify, so right. yeah. um and what I learned through all this was The doctors will examine the organs, do the proper tests, and decide if it's it's a valid or, you know, viable piece to give to somebody else. And so um, knowing that side of it, I went, you can have whatever you think is going to work. Go for it. If it's going to help somebody else. Um, The other piece is I would encourage people to check the box. um, Number one, if for anybody. um, The... Being an organ donor does not prevent you from... Having any funeral arrangements that you want mm-hmm. um, they it shouldn't prevent you from any form of you know open casket situation or whatever right um, they don't they don't desecrate bodies yeah. to do this um they they use as the same thing as if the person were a living donor right um in terms of minimal incisions mm-hmm. and that type of thing yeah um and I've also I would encourage you to consider. Um, applying to be a living donor. Okay. Um, I, primarily because they're not going to take an organ that you can't be without. without. Yeah, They're not going to take your lung. They're not going to take your, your, you know, your kidney unless you are healthy enough to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the doctors won't allow it unless you physically will be able to support right. yourself in the long run. Right. Um, also... Going to your local center and just learning more about it mm-hmm. is huge. Um, especially because they have trained teams of nurses and doctors and staff to right. talk to you about what are the ramifications of that decision. And while John was super successful and he makes it look e- look easy, yeah, that was him. Right. And so, and they were able to sort of assess what that was going to do long term for him. Yeah. Um, while maybe your situation is slightly different. And yeah those actors are very honest about what your situation is and no one is going to pressure you just cause you come in for information. Right. Um, everybody in those centers is st- extremely professional and very concerned that this is a willing situation. Um, John will laughingly tell you that he was approached by four different people of all different hats. Um, he went in through... He went in five different times, and five different people questioned him about why he was choosing to it. I donate. was going
0: to ask that. I'm glad you brought that up. I was going to ask if anybody was kind of like, I don't know, guys. I don't know if this is a um, good idea. They have,
1: they have different people asking the question in about 30 different ways. Okay. Um. And, you know, why are you why are you giving your organ? Well, she's my wife. Yeah. Okay. Aside from legal reasons... Yeah. Why are you interested in... It's the mother of my child. I yeah. want her to be healthy. Right. Okay. I mean... It was it was asked in so many different ways yeah. to really decide, you know, are you gaining anything from this? Uh, of course but, I'm gaining something from yeah. it. My wife's going to live another day. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, but they are checking and they are diligent mm-hmm. about making sure that there is zero compensation happening. Right. Um, and so that's another reason why um, I believe my transplant center has a three-year um, no contact rule in terms of deceased donors. Yeah. They, I heard and that they will not, the yeah. they will not, um, give you any information mm-hmm. about your donor for at least three years. Yeah. And even after that, if the family chooses, it, if the donor family chooses, right. they will never give you information about yeah. that. And so, um, it's really taken quite seriously the critical right. nature of this is a gift, mm-hmm. not something that you were paid for yeah. or, well, is called gift, doing.
0: gift for life, right? It's like quite literally a gift. Yes. Like, yes. Okay. Yes.
1: Um, okay. and for me, that's super hard. Um, I mean, even through our marriage, it's, it's really hard for me to accept that gift yeah. and not feel like I should be doing you more yeah. or that I, you know, and, yeah. and he certainly, you know, I mean, we jokingly, well, you know, I guess I don't have to get you a gift for our anniversary for the next many <laughs> yeah. years. Or, I mean, jokingly yeah. it's sad at home, but, um, No, he doesn't, he doesn't feel like I owe him anything, right? Um, which is also just super overwhelming to think that someone would be willing to do that. Yeah. You know, you might expect it from a family member, but, um, but it's not an expectation no and it's never something that was expected when you enter into family relationship right so. and it's not
0: really something you talk about like hey if i ever get really sick would you be willing to like yeah. i feel like that's not a common question that you would ask somebody when no
1: yeah it's usually <laughs> not part of your yeah. marriage no, no no i don't no. think so <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay do you have resources that you found helpful that you want to share
1: um so i found a lot of information that was helpful on um National Kidney Foundation of Michigan. Okay. They have a really great resource website. Um, UNOS um, is another one. Um, They can explain a lot about wait times and how different transplant centers work. Um, Other ones that I have used um, had to do with kidney disease. So Uh there's information about chronic kidney disease as well as polycystic kidney disease. Um, And really, they all have national yeah. representation and information. So, um, I would stick with those versus, um, some of the smaller information sites are not always as credible. Yeah.
0: Make sure you're looking at legit sites. I always say that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you joined a couple of Facebook groups you said too. did you want to talk a li- I know you mentioned it earlier, but. Yeah.
1: Just... Um, so the one that I use is called transplant talk. Okay. Um, it's, I guess the most important thing is that when you're reaching out to a social media community, um, please just make sure that you sort of personally vet the site. Yeah. Um, I joined it um, for several features. One, it's closely monitored by two people. Yeah. That are in charge of it. They screen every post. They screen every reply to a post. Yeah. Um, Just to make sure that it's supportive. Right. And that um, on that site in particular, they... Upon joining, you agree not to give medical medical advice. Okay. So, um, because it's so critical that you follow your own team's in- yes information. Yeah. And not what somebody else's experiment- experience was. Right. Um, that it really becomes a place to share and understand each other. And yeah. not necessarily a place to, you know, I take this medication. Is there yeah. a substitute for it? Oh, right. please don't look for substitutes. Talk to your no, doctor about yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... In in that respect, it's been really good. Okay. Um, But I have, you know, there are other sites out there and I'm not calling them not credible. Yeah. yeah. Um, There are some that, you know, friends have directed me to that I've been a part of, but that one seems to be the one I keep going back to. Okay. Because it's a lot of, while people share really difficult things, it seems to be extremely supportive. Okay. You know, people are always offering to talk or share experiences. So that's been really useful.
0: Yeah. Have you gone in person to any kind of support group?
1: Um, you know, I went to several pre-transplant. Okay. Um, my transplant center is Beaumont out of Royal Oak. Yeah. And, um, they actually have, um, two or three classes that are required that you go to before as informational and they are run by transplant doctors, surgeons, and patients. Okay. And they, they will tell you all you need to know about pre-surgery um, post-surgery the different medications but then they also have um, patients who've been through their programs that share yeah. their stories okay um, and so I've gone through a couple of those and I actually found um, a flyer when I was there last week they just started an online support oh, okay through their center yeah so it's run by nurses that yeah that's cool kind of can answer the questions right remotely so I mean there are, there are a lot of meetings and support abilities. Yeah, it's um, out there. What I found is that a lot of those support groups I don't feel the need for. And I think fully, of all the complications I've had, um, they say that um, close to 90% of transplant recipients go through some form of depression. Okay. Um, and so a lot of those support groups focus around the emotional support necessary okay. to kind of get through life right. after. But... Um, what I found in talking to other people, um, they said that most of those patients are recipients of deceased donors. Okay. And so a lot of the emotional impacts depression yeah. impacts have been because of the nature of how yeah. they've gotten their gift. Okay. Um, and with with most of the living recipients that I've met, they've said they haven't really hmm. had as significant right emotional issues okay i will say mine came from the complications of my own recovery not necessarily in connection with john right okay so
0: that's good to know okay so now it is time you knew my dad very well and he always said build each other up don't tear each other down and so i'm having everybody give me somebody that they want to
1: build up um you know i mean i could build up so many people in reference to even just this but um my husband's amazing. Yeah. I mean, for all of our individual thought, faults and, you know, marriage struggles and all kinds of things, um, he's a hero. I yeah. mean, he, he committed to me this kidney when we were 19 years old. Yeah. And, uh, at no point did I take him for his word when he said it when yeah, we were 19. Like, okay, John, yeah. yeah. Um, but he just, he was committed to that idea from day one, um, over the years before I even needed... The kidney um we've had friends or colleagues that have needed organs and you know I've looked at him and said do you think you want to go get tested and he's like nope mine is saved for you yeah he was and yeah. he just knew and uh be damned if he was right um, <laughs> don't you hate that <laughs> um so I mean it's one of those things where his ability to commit to something and yeah. His word is his word, and he's going to make it happen, and it's just amazing to me. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think anybody else, as cl- as much as they try, will, will fall into that same hero category as he's got. Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> I think he just topped it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay, and then we always end with giving kind of like a fun recommendation. So people have been giving songs, people have giving restaurants, podcasts, really
1: anything kind of fun that you want to recommend to people. Um, You know what? I have just gotten to the point where you just got to live in the present. Yeah. Enjoy what you're doing right now. Yeah. You know, I've spent so much time coaching and doing, I I will tell you, I I coach because I love it, not because it brings anything other than fun and joy to my life. Right. But, um, you know, for a long time I would always be looking at the clock to figure out what's coming next in my day and, Uh you know, hurrying on to the next. And um, I just, through all of this and the not knowing of what's coming next, um, living in the present and dealing with what's right in front of you. Um, but I will say over these couple, <laughs> couple of years and the highs and the real lows, um, fight song by Rachel Platten yeah. has been, um, really sort of the build me up. You know, I hit the low, I hit the crying out, I'll hit the pity party. And then we got to pick up and we got to do something right now and move forward and uh when I'm in the need in need of the okay time to move forward and figure out what's next um that one was usually the go-to yeah that's a good one (laughs)
0: one okay is there anything else that you didn't say that you wanted to make sure you said (laughs) or shared
1: I don't don't think so
0: okay (laughs) um do you have any kind of social media that you wanted to plug I can't remember what you said
1: I uh I do not okay um I have a Facebook page, but I keep it pretty private because I, I really just use it to keep track of my family. Yeah. I share pictures of my son and then I follow people like Megan's nephew and niece and see what they're doing. Okay. Um, primarily because I'm a teacher. Yeah. I I really don't have social accounts. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Okay. Well then if people have questions for Kristen, they can email me and I will get them to her. Um. I think that's it. So, thank you so much for
1: coming on. Thanks. This was fun. It was really fun to hear
0: <laughs> your story.